Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another Spartan 160 EN podcast, podcast number 102. We got a very special guest. Before I move on to our special guest, though, let me go to our my cohort as always, starting off with my man Sam. Starting off, my only cohort today, I should say. <laughs> Sam, how you doing, bro? I mean, I am good. I'm not sure if uh, Aaron's been uh, following our Twitter account recently, but there's been a sort of a scandal, and I know Danny was talking about it before. This yes. shirt right here. Yeah. I've been following it. I've been following it <laughs> with great interest. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it's a fake from the badge, but like I say this again, it is an incredible fake, I would say. Like mm. I know there was people like proper like FBI investigating it. But um <laughs> what I'm gonna do anyway is just have that because I'm pretty sure why I assume has happened is that someone's bought a fake kit and then just pimped it out with like the, the League of Nos sponsors or everything maybe is just fake, but I plan to just hang that bit up anyway, and I was a bit upset about it, so I bought this masterpiece right next to me. It's Bruno Fernandez, official, not fake, um, awake, <laughs> same one I'm wearing. So other than that, yeah, I'm good. But um, yeah, I'm glad to have Aaron on. But yeah, I'm good. And yeah, before we move on to Aaron, let me just also say, because Richard already just sent this, uh, in actually in... Uh, support of my good friend who potentially got scammed i'm pretty sure this is a fake uh i was actually going through an old photo album where i see my dad wear this uh and yeah like the adidas print isn't really stitched on so i'm pretty sure it's a fake but um i'm not gonna tell anybody if you guys don't uh <laughs> and we're joined of course with a very special guest uh the founder writer podcaster uh uh from for uh Proxima Jornada. At Prosimo Jornada One, as everybody knows on Twitter, uh, we're joined by Aaron Barton. Aaron, how are you today, my my good friend, bro? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to be finally on here. It's uh, it's been a long time coming this one, so yeah, excited to be here. And just on the shirt debate, possible fakes as well. It's it's funny because I actually was going through some shirts earlier because I was thinking got to wear something good for the podcast, and I'm not sure whether this shirt is a authentic. Match worn by Fernando Couto. I actually don't know, but apparently it is. So I'm going to pull this out. <laughs> it is. I have to say that shirt you're wearing as well is flames. I, I flames. This shirt is authentic, but whether Fernando actually wore it, we don't know. So it's a Euro 96 qualifying shirt made by Olympic. And what makes me think it may possibly have been a player issue is... The authentic number on the back. Bear in mind, he yeah. didn't have the names at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on. It's the same. I had a guy, a kit guy, look at it, and um, he said it's like the same authentic felt because it's not like a, a plastic. It's like a felt, and he was like, "I don't, I don't know, you know." And and I, the more I was looking at, it, I was like, and he was looking at sort, and he was like, "It doesn't look like the one that was sold, but it doesn't look fake either." So I was like, hmm. And obviously number five at the time was Kuto. So we don't know. We'll probably never get to the bottom of it unless um, unless someone can help me out. But either way, that's my uh, share to start off the show to keep up, keep Sick. the trend going. <laughs> Sick. Um, yeah. And before we jump off to uh, Twitter questions, let me just also just quick plug. Uh, Prosimo Jornada's podcast is out as of today. I was, I was actually listening a bit of it uh, on my lunch break today already flames so after this one of course go and jump onto that one and, and give that a listen guys uh another great podcast and 
more than just Sporting. It's actually about the Portuguese league, which uh, is quite few and far between, actually, surprisingly. Mm. Um, about, you know, a por- uh, an English-based Portuguese league podcast. It's usually mainly, like, teams. So, you know, respect. That's cool, man. Um, but, yeah, let's jump right into um, our Twitter questions. First one coming from our boy all the way from Jordan. Um, uh, Abdallah at Abdarmuti92. Uh, Aaron, I'm going right to you for this one. Um, yeah. Portugal's lineup for players under 23. Uh, so, yeah, bro, if, if you can maybe think of a, a quick 11 for our under 23 uh, potential lineup. You know, if, if you were to take an, an under 23 to the Euros today. Oh, can I take um, can I take the players that will be getting called up to the senior squad? Can I of take Pedro yeah, yeah. Can I take you out of it? Oh, okay, 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 we're cooking. Um, starting. Fact, let me start at the top of the pitch. Usually you start with the goalkeeper, but I'm going to start at the top of the pitch. Um, I was actually over in in um, in, in Portugal in November in Cascais, I think. I know it's still watching the under-21s and Rafael I was playing. He'd have to be in there. Um so Pedro Neto was playing up on a sporting podcast right there. It is, it is, it is. But, but that's 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 the beauty of Prossima Jonah that he removes all club bias. It's just okay. it's talent, enough. it's a, it's yeah. just ability. That's... Um and Pedro Neto was playing, he'd have to be on there uh one of the wings. Pedro Gonçalves, obviously, with it being a sporting podcast, and also <laughs> what a what a player. The mid yeah. to be honest, the, that midfield. Because I think on the day they played the, the midfield three of, I think it was Gerson Fernandes, Florentino Luis, and Vitinha. Now, the like Vitinha, that's probably, he's got so much talent. He's not being used a lot at Wolves. But in terms of raw ability, he's like he's a player I, ra- I rate, rate a lot, a lot, to be honest. And in terms of the other two, Florentino, I just seems to have just fallen off the face of the earth. He's went to Monaco and not been getting much game time. The exact same thing happened with Fernandes at, at Tottenham. Uh, so I wouldn't know, to be honest, with the, with the midfielders. Fabio Vieira's been playing well when he's came into the side. Um, it's a difficult one. It is, that is a difficult one. And then defensively, there's a couple who come to mind straight away in terms of well, at least central defenders. David Carmo, obviously, before he got injured. Diogo Leite, fantastic player. Uh, one player I've been a little bit not disappointed with, but the, his team is Diogo Queiroz because he's a player I've watched since he was in, you know, the Porto youth team, even before like they won the youth league, and he was a major part of that. He was, you know, a rock at the back, and then obviously he's went to to uh, Familico, who aren't doing the best, so. Wanted to see a little bit more from, but you know that's not his fault. They've changed basically the bought an entire new squad, not even a starting eleven. Um, so and then obviously the likes of Nuno Mendes, fantastic. Thomas Steves is playing well when he's been playing for Redden. So yeah, there's just so many names to be honest. I couldn't even. I've probably named about fifteen players there. So <laughs> you um, gave a solid fifteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's just to be honest, there's so much talent. We we this isn't even a plug, but the yeah. I did a piece recently on on the website of sort of that golden generation then born in 1999. Just players from 1999, you could fill, you know, a, a, a full match day squad with 
so much talent in there. I haven't even mentioned the likes of Trincao. Like, the, so many players that just slipped the mind. So, yeah, Cruz George has got a he's got a much tougher job uh, than I have with having to select. So it'll be interesting to see what squad he goes with. But what about you guys? Have you got any names that sort of stick out? Uh, I would, for, for purely club bias, I'm going to stick Inacio in there as well. And maybe Eduardo Cresmo. Oh, I know he hasn't played a lot, but... Yeah, from from the, the from sort of like um, I think it was June onwards last year, he was incredible. I don't know what happened. I know it's a combination of injuries and COVID, but um, for mm-hmm. me, I, I'd stick Anasio in there. I don't know if, if Danny would agree or not. No, a thousand percent agree. I would also yeah. stick in. Uh, let, me, let me show everybody. I'd also stick in Tiago to March, Sam. I don't know about no, you, but no, speaking no. club biased, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a disagreement. I've saw this on Twitter and on, on one of the previous parts. There's a big disagreement over the uh, the TT fan club, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's literally everyone else is in the club, but me, and I get I get absolutely <laughs> shat on on Twitter literally every time. Like he does something well, it's like, ha, do you see Tiago to March? It's like, oh, well, <laughs> obviously, I no, would never want to. Eight order my players as well. Yeah. But like uh, if they're not good enough, they're not good enough. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think of another player not in Sporting though. Is is uh Diogo Gonzalez from Benfica? Is he under 21? Because if so, I'd have him. He has a he has a decent shot on him. I mean he scored a uh, an amazing free kick not too long yeah. ago. I mean George Zuz loves to play fucking young players and fucking left back, so I can't blame him for not really <laughs> shining that much. But I mean he's a, he's a good sweet. talent. Uh, Abdallah saying Bragança, of course. Got to men- I think Bragança might be a little older, though, but you got to mention him if he is under 21. Yeah, Diogo is 24. Diogo, so he just misses out Makes on 23. Yeah. Bragança, yeah. again, I know he's not eligible. He's another player. I just love love to watch him play. Love the, love his style of play. Um, yeah, want want to see more. But the, that's, that's the thing yeah. that I like when there's a manager in charge, like Fruman uh, Amarine, because I trust what he's doing with, with young players. So, Sam, you alluded to it there. The likes of Eduardo Cresma, he, he hasn't played as much. If that was another manager, I'd probably be panicking a little bit more and thinking what's happening behind the scenes. But for some reason, even though he's so inexperienced, Amarim, I think his promotion of youth is... You never know that. I mean, you, you always know that the problem isn't the age. The problem is always something else. And Because with certain managers, you think... Is it just that he's too young? He doesn't trust young players. Whereas with Amarim, he's shown if you if you if you're good enough, you you're old enough. So that sort of removes that. It's okay. He may, he's not playing because of his age. It might be something else. And then at least it stops with all the conspiracy theories. It might be anything from with these young players. It might be mistakes. It might be not working hard enough in training. It might be work ethic. He might just not trust them at this moment in time. But. He's still so young, and as you said, Sam, towards the end of last season, he was fantastic. And then it's great to see Inacio come in and sort of pick up where, where Charisma left off. I've been really impressed with him. I hadn't saw much of him either before this season. Uh, I'll be, I'll be, you know, truthfully honest. So it's been good to for him to come onto the radar, and and um, yeah, I've been impressed. Yeah, no, for sure. You and me both, dude. Um, Abdallah also asks if Sporting wins the league. Try not to jinx our campaign. <laughs> Uh, let me knock on wood as I say that. They will be at pot one next year in the group stage. We may get an easier group than our last campaigns, which is better uh, advancing to the round of 16 or trying to compete in UEL. Um, so, yeah, which is better, Sam? I'll pass it to you. Which is better for us? Uh, round of 16 of Champions League or compete in UEL? Of course, this is uh, a day after Porto shocked uh, the world, you know. Uh, I mean, they lost 3-2, but uh, won 4-4 in aggregate against Juve. So, 
What would you prefer? I know what I prefer. Uh, for me, just based on like the national stage, because I know they're both shown around the world, but like the Champions League, the Champions League, getting to the round of 16 in the Champions League, no matter what pot you're in, is, is quite a magnificent achievement. All teams in the Champions League, I know you've got some obscure nations sometimes, but every team in that competition is fantastic and they all have their, their abilities. Whereas Europa League, there's more teams, and there's more obscure teams. And as well as I think we might do better in the Europa League, I think, you know, um, playing against those top teams like Juventus, and I know it came up, I think it was two days ago, that like nearly 10 years ago or... I think it was 2012, 2011, when we beat Man City in um, mm -hmm. Europa League. And I remember going to school the next day being like, I must have been, I think, maybe year eight, year nine. But I walk in and I'm like, yeah, my team beat Man City. Yeah, we're... <laughs> but I walked around like uh, like, a, like I was worth a million pounds. But like, it's just part of that. Like, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm quite jealous of what Porto did yesterday. I would have loved to seen us do that. And it's not saying like, I want to be Porto, but like, I reckon our time is coming for that. Never but... that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> but it's like Juventus. I know we can, you, we can just like say, you know, it's one of the worst Juventus teams in a while, but it's still Juventus. And I remember we drew to Juventus mm. a few years ago and we were ecstatic. Like, but to beat them, especially in a knockout phase, is fantastic. So credit to Porto, but for me, it's got to be the Champions League just for the prize money and the natural and the, the stage. I, I'm going to go with Champions League. I agree. I agree. Even Aaron, how about you as a neutral? Not even just Spartan related, but you know, when it comes to the big three, what do you prefer? Like a, a Euro, a Europa League win, or or a long run in the Europa League, or a round of sixteen knockout? It's got to be. It's got to be the Champions League. Just in terms of you said there, Sam. Just getting to the round of sixteen, we saw so many teams. One that springs to my mind this year is is. Um, is Shakhtar Donetsk this year. They beat Real Madrid home and away and didn't qualify for the knockout rounds of the Champions League. So that's a testament to how difficult it can be. Uh, you know, if you come up, uh, I think they finished level on points with uh, Inter, who were in second place. Um, and that's what I mean when you're in a group with the likes of you know, Real Madrid and you're going there to the Bernabeu and you're beating them, which Shakhtar did, and you mm -hmm. still don't qualify. It's like, you know, it, it just shows that the strength and the quality of the tournaments, and you know the Europa League. I I'm a fan of the Europa League as well. I I don't. Yeah. A lot of people talk down in the Europa League. I'm a I'm a big fan. I always want obviously our teams to go far in the Europa League, but I just think the allure of the Champions League. Uh, you get put into a group stage, and you know th there's a good chance. You know, two of the teams that you're going to be coming up against are going to be top, top, top teams. Then that third team will be, you know, and uh, no disrespect as well, they, they're usually the more obscure in nation, but I think, yeah, Porto watching that, uh, it doesn't matter what you say about that Juventus side, they still, um, they still went there and they, they played for just over 70 minutes with extra time included with 10 men. So, you can say yeah. what you want, but you know when you've when when you're playing against the Italian champions and you've got ten men for the majority of the night, and they know that if they score one more goal, the game's done, and you defend like that, and uh, say from the neutral point of uh, neutral point of view, Pepe last night, thirty eight years of age, and you know how good is that? Just knowing. 
going into the cell of cell matches that you've still got like a warrior there who will put his body on the line like that. So no, it's a fantastic night and and say all club club eyes, all clubies more removed. It was it was a good night for Portuguese football. You, you know, it was it was good to see and Porto were their last sort of uh, team. They're the only team outside of the top five leagues. So you know, and I do hate that top five leagues because I think you know, but that's just my own personal gripe against coefficients. But um, I'm with you though. I'm with you. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to see Sporting go into the, the Champions League and and sort of roll back the years and uh, no that that'd be amazing. The Europa League is there's so many teams in it sometimes it can feel a little bit like oversaturated. The Champions League has still got that everything the, the the branding of it like the the theme song like just everything about it at Champions League nights. So yeah. Definitely. Uh, last question from uh, Abdallah: Who is the better striker be- between the uh, the names below in our youth teams? Uh, Aaron, I'm not sure how familiar you are. Um, I've only seen a handful of games, to be honest. And I mean, football managers also fucking help me out a lot with this uh, knowledge. But yeah, Tiago Rodrigues, Paulo Augustino, Skungland. He's the I know he's Norwegian and Shermetti. Yusuf Shermetti. I'm not sure how familiar you are, or Sam, I'm not sure how familiar you are. Uh, I, I'm going to speak on uh, what I've seen lately, so it's definitely recency biased. I think the, the Norwegian has probably the best shot between the four of them, Skugland. I think he scored a banger not too long ago, maybe, uh, if not last week, the week before. Um, if we're going off uh, football manager, Shermetti is just an absolute beast. But that's football manager. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sam, I don't, or, I don't know if you have anything to add, or um, I will say one of our followers and someone we've we've had uh, uh, like on the podcast comments quite a few times, and I'm going to butcher his name because I believe he's from Germany. Alex, I think it's Hartel or Hatel. Um, yeah. He does scout reports on on sporting youngsters, and he I see him mention Scott. I think I'm going to butcher another pronunciation. Scotland, <laughs> Scott, Scotland. I, I don't know. I think I think um, you're right. Actually, yeah, Scotland. Scotland, yeah, but um, he he has a lot of comparisons. Obviously, the Norwegian comparison to to players such as Howland, you know. But um, for me, I, I I don't claim to watch a lot of um, youth games, but um, they're all highly rated from what the scout reports say. But um, for for me, I'm going to go with that that Scotland. I don't know if if Aaron is familiar with with any of them. He'd be the one I'd go with. To be honest, I watch quite a bit of the Liga Chril of the Show, but and I think they all play, except for maybe Shum is it Shumetti? I think he might be um is he the is he one of the I youngest? Think, I think it might be I think 18? he might be like U nineteen, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, whereas the the other three, I know Thiago Rodriguez, he plays a lot. Yeah, he yeah, does, he yeah. plays a lot, but he plays a lot, but doesn't if I'm right, doesn't score a lot. And I don't know, mm-hmm. he, he, is he, I don't think he's an out-and-out striker though. I don't think he's like a, a proper number nine. I think he's like a false nine. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but I could be completely wrong. Someone could pull up his, his transfer market and he could he could score every week. But he's a player, I think, possibly gets more assists than he does goals. Then the Nikolai Skoland, Skoland, he's the one I've heard the most about. He's the one whose name sort of rings out a little bit more. And that's usually an early indicator because the people that really sort of focus in on those youth games, they love to get the name out there. So the fact I've heard more about him <laughs> makes me think. But other than that, 
Uh, I haven't. No, I can't say I've, I've heard the. Um, but it'll be funny if one of them turns out to be a complete whale beater and we come back to this podcast in, uh, in five years' time and say, remember, we didn't even know who this guy was. So I always like things like this because I think in the future, come on back to it. So, yeah, keep an eye out for all of those. I know I will. Same. Uh, yeah, next question comes in from uh, Joel De Silva at Joel Leon underscore 073. Uh, would you accept swapping Nuno Mendes for uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Juve paying Ronaldo's salary? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I'll add to that one. <laughs> and last but not least, our boy Pietri, who actually left a comment. He's currently in the hospital waiting for the birth of his daughter. Shout out, no fucking Pietri. Shout out Love to you. Love you, bro. That's amazing. Uh, love you for even listening to us on this on this special <laughs> day. Um, congratulations, Petri. Congratulations, bro. Hopefully all goes well. Um, he asks, uh, do we suspect the trip, the tripes or the lumps to be behind the conspiracy against uh, Ruben Amorim? <laughs> Sam, I'll pass that one more off to you. I won't let the neutral handle that because, you know, I yeah. don't want to smear your, your neutral name. <laughs> Yeah, Aaron's got a brand to protect, so I'll take this. One. Exactly. But, um... <laughs> Whereas um, we here at Sparty 160 and yeah, don't give a fuck about our numbers. <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like that far fetched, but like it is sort of a Portuguese thing that like whoever's top of the table usually does get the most accusations, and I'm not saying. Like Porto's history is like just just accusations because a lot of it has been proven. But like with Benfica as well, you know, there's evidence there, but nothing's been proven in court. So it's it's just a Portuguese thing. And I I've not had an English or a UK uh, person on the podcast in ages. So I'm gonna say this is more like an episode of EastEnders. If you watch Portuguese league, that's how it goes. Some like <laughs> shitty ass soap that goes on for ages, and there's never any resolution. And it's all a bunch of shit. But um. I mean, I just think we're in first. They're trying to destabilize us, and it's not going to work because I think we've got we've got a strong bunch of lads there. But um, yeah, it's not far fetched. But I'm not going to say yes or no for that one. Yeah, just just on that because I will, I won't hide behind the uh, the kit and I will get involved on this because why not? Um, in terms of uh, who to point the finger at, I don't know. But there's the one thing that I will say. Um, Firstly, I, I think it's a load of nonsense. I don't think it's it'll go anywhere, and I think it is something that's um, maybe engineered to, to sort of destabilize. We don't know who by. It's one of those things. But in terms of Sporting offering the contract to Amarim after knowing this information, sort of begs the question: if they if they thought there was any sort of danger to this, would they have went ahead and offered the contract? If they thought it was a, a real serious allegation, obviously their in their statement was very blunt as well. There was no usually you think in a situation like this, the club would come out and be like, you know, just to address the news that there's been you know some of these accusations, uh, and they sort of tipped all around it. Sporting came out and said, "This is a really sad day for Portuguese football. There's literally nothing in this. We've." abided by every single law basically came out and said we will not be found guilty of anything and that is enough to say right well you know where is this came from it may not have been something engineered it may just be that they've looked through the paperwork and thought something's not quite right here and sporting have just had to step in and say everything is right and then that's it that's the end of the debate um and yeah i think it's one of those things when you're at the top and when you're doing well uh, a lot of people prey on your demise and when you're not particularly doing well no one really cares and I don't mean that about sporting I mean that 
in football in general, not even football, just society, life in general, when you're at the top, people, you know, try and throw rocks at you to bring you down. Whereas if you're already down there, no one cares. It's, you know, why, why would you be bothered? So, uh, yeah, the more successful you get, the more things like this tend to happen. As I say, we don't know where it came from, but it's not good to see. Uh, and this type of thing, in terms of registering coaches as assistant coaches, when they're not qualified to be head coaches, but they're acting unofficially as a head coach, it, this happens before. This has happened before. This happens, you know, often. It's only really getting brought to light maybe because the team in question are top of the league. That's just sort of my take on it. Um, so, yeah. No, agreed. And and we might as well just quickly uh, touch this uh, topic while we're at it um, now as well. Let me just give my two cents as well. Uh, first off, happy birthday to Abdallah, 29, almost 30, buddy. Um, so shout out to you, you my legend. Um, I, I also just wanted to say to a similar vein, it's like uh, the league or the whoever it is that I, I, don't, I don't quite understand exactly who it is that's coming after them like that. Um they're, they're being quite ridiculous because Ruben Amurin just finished his pro professional career not too long ago. For, so for him to get his full licensing, it's taking him, it's going to take him around eight years um, from what I've understood. Um, so to expect a guy, I mean, one, he's already killing it without it. So it should be credit to the courses that he's already been taking because, I mean, Portugal has been producing some of the best managers in the world. That, this can be a badge of honor for Portuguese um, coaching association, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, that, you know, a guy who doesn't have all his badges, doesn't have all the European badges, currently has Sparting after a 19-year drought in first, looking like they're about to win their first trophy, uh, it, you know, like I said, in almost 20 years. Um, so the fact that they're coming after Sparting like that, uh, it, it's exactly like you said, Aaron, and it's like uh, I have a, a really good friend, uh, Patrick, who's a Portista, and he, he says this every year. Anytime any, put, any team comes in first, and I've noticed this a lot in the Portuguese league, there's always something behind it, always some sort of, whether true or not, there's always some sort of like stain on it, um, mm -hmm. you know. And and to me, I think this is just another thing that's that's happening for Spartan because we just so happen to be in first. But like you said, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, I, we talked about the game yesterday. I don't know how many. What does Pirlo potentially have as his badges? And and if he does have the full badges, I mean, look at the the shit show that happened. Uh, you know. Um, to be blunt, Juventus should never <laughs> like as, as credit to Porto, but if we're looking at it, the, the amount of money they're spending, um, Juventus should never be losing to Porto. You know, they have the best player in the world, potentially one of the best players ever to play the game in their team. Um, you know, it's it's just another thing, another attack on Sporting because we just so happen to be on to be in first, and it's just funny that it's it's only happening now because when he was in Braga, no problem. When we had Sirius last year, no problem. Paulo Bento, no problem. We weren't winning the league. Um, there's other names that, that just aren't coming to mind. It's just, it's, it's just quite, it's quite funny because we just so happen to be in first. Mm. Yeah. Sam, I don't know if you want any, anything to add on to that. If not, take it away with uh, some of the talking points to Aaron. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm, I don't know if you're talking about that graph that was on uh, Portuguese TV of the, or the, sorry, the pictures of the, the coach didn't have their badges. I, I think was Contessao was one of them before he was at, uh, at Nantes and at Porter, I can't remember what team it was. So you got it was to at Guimarães, I believe. I think, yeah, I think so. And then there was Vitor Oliveira, which um, rest in peace. But um, he was spoken about in by Marim at the start of the season. So there was that one as well. But th there's quite a few. So basically, um, it, it shouldn't be a big deal because it's sporting. It is. But anyway, 
Um, we do have a few questions for you, Aaron. Uh, we call that call this the hot seat. So no pressure <laughs> at all. Literally, they're all opinion based. There's no right or wrong answer. But um, before we move on to sort of the, the Portuguese side of things, um, we all know you're a massive Everton fan. Um, doing very well this, this for my year. Sins. <laughs> doing very well. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a weird league table, but credit to Everton and like teams like West Ham, Leicester, who are. Uh, playing phenomenal but I just want to know your thoughts in general about Everton's season what what are you hoping for what are your expectations and, and what have you thought so far um it's been it's been a, it's been a good season I mean it's it's been it's been frustrating because what we do a lot is we love to bottle it so what we what we love to do is we love to get about six or nine points off from sort of taking that next step and then what we do is we win we win we win we go on these winning runs and then but we don't seem to move in the table and then the next game is always right if you win this you'll go into the top four like you will leapfrog whoever's above you and we're like nah nah nah. and then and then we'll go on like a, a two or three game sort of run without winning and then we do the same thing and we drop to seventh eighth and then we sort of do the same thing. So uh, the, the biggest, you know, some of the results we've had this season, we've beat Tottenham away. We've beat Liverpool at Anfield for the first time uh, since 1999. Um, we've, we beat Chelsea. Uh, we beat Arsenal. We've beat Leicester. And then like, we've lost to Fulham, which was like a week after. And it, it was just those type of games where it's very, very hit and miss. Very, very hit and miss. But I think if this season, if you can make a there's a there's a Champions League and a Europa League place there for the side that wants to put together a run of consistent form. And I think if there's any time that we're going to do it, it'd be this season uh, with that with this manager in charge. I mean, it's ridiculous that he's even. We still can't believe it as Evertonians is is because we haven't got the best squad and we've had like lots and lots of injuries. I know people love to talk about injuries, but we had a period of games where we were without, without the likes of Lucas Digne, James Rodriguez, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Alain. The, the core is just broken his foot like three days ago. So It's one of those. It's it's He gets a lot out of the squad that he's got. And all it does is make me think, Imagine what he can do when he's got his own team. Because he hasn't got his own team. He only took over at the midpoint of last season. The signings that we've sort of brought in so far, uh, I've done okay. And yeah, I, I mean... Say, it's, sorry, I'd honestly, say Hamas is about his only like true signing there. That's the only thing that you can say that Ancelotti was like, that's my guy, I need him. You know, I mean, Alan maybe yeah. too, but Hamas to a T. Like. That's, yeah, was it, they, they've, that was, even that, just... And the first couple of games of the season, it was like it was ridiculous watching him. Mm-hmm. It was against my, Tottenham, my... especially that first game. I remember. Oh my god, he was it's looking just, like prime prime hammers. It's 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 just mad because you, you're watching him, and as Evertonians, like I'm a season ticket holder. I haven't. My one wish is to be. I want to be inside the ground while Ancelotti's managing and the hammers is on the pitch, like because I still haven't seen him play live, which is mental because. Obviously, you're still paying each month for your season ticket and you get nothing back. But, like, yeah, it's it's mad because you, you watch him and we're, like, me and my mates will be watching it and we're sort of looking at each other and we're like, 
Why is he at Everton? Like, why is he? Why is he not like this guy's world class? Like, he's ridiculous on his day. He's an absolutely ridiculous player. The um, the assist to Richarlison in the derby against Liverpool, like just the touch to bring it down, and then that way to pass. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. there's not many players who can who could who could have made that look so effortless. So so yeah, it's uh, been a mixed season so far. But I think if we can, we've got a nice run of fixtures coming up. To be honest, so who knows? Can we sort of? finally do that thing where we will be pushed past the the glass ceiling as it were or will we uh, you know fall short who knows <laughs> hope it's the former <laughs> yeah no problem um there was one question that i had that i really wanted to get your opinion on and i'm not sure if danny can chime in on it on his end but um i noticed it with the first leg especially of this Porto juventus game that when it's like english pundits turn to talk about liga nos there's always like like for Porto, it was literally Pepe. That's it. Like there That's are it. so many, like Taremi's had a good season. There are so many Porto players. And even in like seasons before where we've played like Chelsea, City, whatever, it's almost like there's that one recognisable name and then they talk about Juventus or they talk about someone else. Mm-hmm. What do you think that needs to change and how would you like to see it change? And another talking point onto it, because um, I know probably it's a licensed thing as well. I'm not sure how I'm like clips and like stuff they can talk about. But um do you think it's been it, sh- it should be more beneficial for for like viewers, especially in ones that that aren't familiar with Portuguese football, for that to happen? It, I think, in terms of how how do we change sort of the narrative, and and that's that's because Portugal have been producing top players for years, and the narrative hasn't really changed. I mean, according to the media, we didn't deserve Euro twenty sixteen. Um, you know, Pepe. If you would have asked most pundits who watch the game, they'd have probably said, Is he even still playing? Like, they don't watch the Premier League, they don't watch the League of Oz. And then, like, the BT pundits, they were talking about it yesterday, and, like, never seen him play like this. It's like every single big game he steps up. Um, they, they know him because he played for Real Madrid. That, that's that's mm-hmm. basically the top and bottom of it. Um, the way that he changed it is, I think, just not, not by moaning and crying about it, but just continually, just doing exactly what we're doing now whereas a couple of seasons ago maybe you you get one team in the Champions League in the group stage and one plays a qualifier and sometimes doesn't make it and then you've got Europa League teams some of them don't get out of the group and the only way that you're ever going to get into the the forefront is by being in these competitions and playing all the time and becoming a more recognised league and you've got to think um You've got to think they, the pundits, they 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 only sort of watch. They, they, it's crazy to say, but the, some of them don't have a wealth of football knowledge. And I'm not saying I have a better 100%. football knowledge, but I think a lot of people will watch and think they'll listen to something they'll say and they'll think that this guy. You can tell this guy hasn't watched my team, especially if you support someone like a Porto Sporting Benfica, because they might be giants in Portugal. But if you think this is a pundit who goes to Champions League games and watches. You know all these top teams. Isn't you know they don't they don't feel obliged to know that much about these teams. So yeah, they they know the obvious players, but other than that, but I think like this season, well, going into next season, you got two guaranteed teams going into the Champions League group stages. You got a potential third that will be playing a, a qualifier, a playoff. The teams in the Europa League, I hope they make it. The more Portuguese teams in these competitions, the better. The more uh, they have to be a talking point because they're there. You don't have to talk about 
Portuguese teams, Portuguese players, if they're getting knocked out of competition in, in the group stage every year. So I think the way that we get into the forefront of fans around the world, and like the one thing that grinds my gears the most is the uh, the Farmers League narrative. I hate uh, but it. I, I hate but it. I think I think what what's crazy is um it's it's one of those things you can't really argue with people like that. You, the, the proof has just got to be in the pudding. So when they say Farmers League, I say right. Well, Bruno Fernandes, he, Premier League is his playground. He's treating it like it's his, it's his playground. And and you've seen Ruben Dias, João Cancelo, Bernardo Silva. They're playing for what probably are the best team in club football in the world at the minute. And they're three main parts of that as well. Liverpool season was completely before Diogo Jota. It was falling apart then. It was only Diogo Jota was in the team, scoring winners, getting them out of jail. You know, if he weren't in that team, they would have fell away a lot earlier than that. So Portuguese players are making an impact. Uh, it, they just need more, 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 always more. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And just to add on that too, I mean, it, 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 us being in the Champions League, all three of us also just does well for the league as well in just general. I mean, if you oh, look, uh, when when Sporting pushed for the league in fifteen sixteen, they they came up against I mean a few other things, but they came up against a good Benfica team that had to push them past the already record number of points that Mourinho was was on. But I also think a lot of this Farmers League bullshit comes from like Twitter fat like Premier League Twitter fans don't really look outside <laughs> of uh, outside of um, like like England like they'll praise the Championship, but then they'll talk bad about you know the French league. You know, where like, but the, like Chelsea Premier League fans will like jerk off N'Golo Conte, like he didn't come from La Harve, which is like the second division in France. Second division. You know? uh, just gonna grab a tissue. Exactly. Of course, of course. Uh, and, but, um, and let me just say, I have, I can say this because I have a United shirt hanging right there. Uh, so I can talk shit about Premier League teams. Yeah. But like, for, for me as well, in, in a group chat with all my friends from, um, from school or like whenever we talk about football like i can't talk about sporting without like farmers league and like oh mm-hmm. uh, he can't, he, he's not he's not good until he proves it but like when when i speak to people i don't really know like, i used to do it a lot for some reason like nightclubs and like pubs and i would be like oh yeah they'd be like oh who's sporting's best player and i'd be like oh uh, Sebastian Quartas is a good player. It's like that guy, the guy who flopped for Sunderland, the guy who was <laughs> like he is like really good. Like, it, you, like you said, there's no change in people's minds. Like, I think I don't think that narrative will ever change. But you know, it, it's their loss, really. It's not really. You've got to, I think you've got to just go and the way to change people's opinions sounds so obvious to say, but the way to change people's opinions is for the teams to just go and change their opinions. They, but it's by performing constantly on a you know on a constant basis because you think about it like this Premier League fans especially would talk down on the likes of La Liga you've only got to cast your mind back you know a couple of years they go on La Liga go on this complete and utter European dominance where they're dominating the national teams they're winning every Champions League they're winning every Europa League the likes of Sevilla they're competing and and then they start to get respect and now I've noticed like the narrative with the Spanish teams is that they've started to um sort of faltered a little bit. Now they're back to yeah. being the farmers league and the Premier League's the best league in the world. So it, it it constantly fluctuates and change. And I think the more teams that you have competing uh, week in, week out, and you know, the more the more I mean Portugal you can't really say the more players Portugal produces because they've produced enough. 
Do you know yeah. what I mean? They've produced yeah. enough like it to change people's opinions. If they don't want to believe it, they don't have to. But you look at any major league in Europe, uh, and there's a Portuguese player there who will be pulling up trees somewhere. You know, Bundesliga, Rafael Guerreiro, Andre Silva, the second top mm-hmm. scorer, he's level with Erling Haaland. You hear a lot mm-hmm. more about Erling Haaland than you do about Andre Silva. Neither are German. Eh? So why so why do we hear more about one than the other? True. You know, it's because one plays for Borussia Dortmund and one plays for Antic Frankfurt. So it's um, which I think is more testament, if anything, to Andre Silva because he's he doesn't have the better pieces around them to help him score. Exactly, exactly. One's playing in the Champions League, uh, and one's this season looking to get you know to qualify for the Champions League. So it's um, that's the thing is that I think football is all about narratives. It's it's important not to get drawn into football Twitter, as in the fan base that will just reply under every single one of your tweets saying like mm-hmm. ratio, like yeah. stop, like this or that, <laughs> don't care, farmer. It's like, I'm going to get a lot of those <laughs> now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, they I'm, don't watch not... this podcast. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I haven't infiltrated this, the Sporting 160 <laughs> team yet. Just yet. <laughs> just yet. Um, um, no, I'm, sorry, Sam, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to pull it just a bit back to the Portuguese league with a simple question um, because me and Sam have, you know, we obviously have a, a certain tie to sporting, but of course you're, you're an Evertonian, you know, simple enough. Why the fuck are you watching the Portuguese league? Like what about Portugal? The Portuguese league is, is enticing to you because, you know, as, as mentioned a bit earlier, even with the Ruben Amorim situation, like, as a as a Sporting fan, I have so many gripes towards this league and, and this association of football. What made what what drew you on to it? To be honest, it was I always say is um, it's it's not one of those things where you pick. It's sort of pick me. It wasn't like I got into this when I was sixteen or seventeen and made a conscious choice. I've been watching Portugal since since I can remember. I don't know what it is. I still cannot, to this day, cannot sort of put my finger on it. I, I remember growing up and watching Selecao and I was always just a football fan and watching that sort of Euro 2000 team, uh, 2000 team and then sort of the fallout after it in uh, World Cup 2002. I was eight. So going into, or seven, uh, and then going into Euro 2004, I was a little bit of Euro 2004. I had a full Portugal kit. We used to in our in in England. Obviously, we uh, school uniforms. We used to have like an own clothes day, so that'd be like sort of once every two weeks or whatever. And every time it was the Portugal strip, every single time. And I wanted to when I played football. All my mates did shout like Gerard, Michael Owen, Rooney, Lampard. I was shouting Luis Figo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, like even just it was it was just it was something about it, and then obviously you had the Jose Mourinho team of of Porto in two thousand and four at the same time, so it was sort of coming to the fore. And then I think as a kid you can you can become infatuated with things, and then you forget about them, and it's like well, remember I used to really be into this, or remember I used to really be into that. As a kid, you're drawn to things. This just never left me ever, and um. Like I've never had an England kit ever. I wouldn't I just I didn't want one. I wanted to support Portugal. That was always the way it was. And then the the club side sort of came into it 
as we got old, as I got older, because you can start accessing games online now, and you know you can through whatever sort of means you find uh, necessary. But you got to think like back in two thousand three, two thousand four. I didn't know how to go online and, and, and watch a game. I just watched what was on the TV, whether it be the Champions League, European Championships, the World Cup in two thousand six, and then when I got to about when I got to about sixteen or seventeen. Was it? Yeah, I think I was, right, it was around about then. That's when I was like, every Premier League game possible. I was just watching it. 17, 18, I started flying to Portugal just to watch games and then come home on my own. So like, it was just, it was just, and then when I got to maybe 19 or 20, um, I would, um, yeah, it was just like an obsession then. It was just an obsession. And then a friend of mine moved to Lisbon from Liverpool. So I went over there. And then I'd just finished university um, doing English literature. So I was studying there. and So I was into writing, I was into editing, I was into producing content. And I was, I was like, I wish there was like a website kind of like Prossima Jornada, but obviously it didn't exist at this point. Uh, and I really love, well, I still do to this day, Portugal, ran by Tom Cundit, who's obviously just a wonderful person. OG, and a, a and, as well. Oh, yeah. And a sporting geese as well. And um, <laughs> I hope people know that. I'm just put them on blast there. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was like, I wanted to do something similar to that, but, but do it different. I didn't just want to copy that because there'd be no points. So we, we started to do things a little bit different and then uh, a little bit differently. And then it just, I didn't know whether people were going to be interested in it. I just started up a Twitter page and then I started a website. And it was basically my way of telling the world, like, I love Portuguese football. I love everything about it. I'm going to write about it. And if you're interested in it, you're interested in it. And if you're not, that's cool. We, we move regardless. And we're here now, like three years later, and it's doing okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'll say a bit, a bit more than okay. You've got loads of followers and you get loads of interactions. I know you get ah. quite a lot of like viral tweets as well. Like, like not just because you're here, but one of my <laughs> like habits is to just go through your timeline and literally just look at because I know you've got a, a team of writers as well, like a freelance journalist and stuff that write. Um, is it Marino who's one a part of your team? Um, no, he's not a part, but he's a good, he's a he's a, like a really good friend of mine. We're actually planning to do a podcast next week before the international break. Um, Marino Pachotto here. So last time I was in Lisbon, so we met up and um, we spent like the week together and, and met up with Tom as well. So it's good. There's so many like like-minded people who are into the same thing. Um, and then there's a a new newish writer Philippe Mello. He's on the podcast. He's just became the co-host on the podcast now because he did. A segment on one of the first podcasts, and um, people really liked them. People in the in the, in the DMs were like, "The guy you speaking about the tactics was, you know, he was spot on." Uh, and he's a Portuguese guy; he's living in England. Uh, so I was like, "Do you want to do the podcast with me? We'll sort of bounce off each other." So he's fantastic. And then there's other writers who will just message and say, "Can I, you know, can I write a piece?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Like that that's if you want to write about Portuguese football and you want to be able to say, I put it on this website and you know, it gained this many impressions and, and shares and stuff, then you know, be my guest. And and I think 
becoming accredited, becoming an accredited journalist was like a big thing because that that allowed it was obviously pre-COVID. That meant like you can start going to games and you can start meeting players, interviewing players, and that that was when I was like, yeah, this is this feels a little bit. This is yeah, this feels a bit real now. Like the interview with um, Ricardo Pereira was like the first. I remember going to Leicester and just being in the signing ground. And I was like, and in my head, I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is does he know how insane this is? But obviously, you just get treated as if you're a proper journalist. And then in my head, I'm like, am I a proper journalist? Like, you, you you start thinking, am I a fraud? Like, what? and then we put the interview out, and it was just, it was, it just, it did really well. And I thought, oh my word, like people actually like this sort of stuff. And like, I'm not just saying this because I'm on the podcast, but podcasts like this and the the twitter page has like people who they don't cover the entire league the, or the entire country but they focus in solely on one club because of they're so passionate about it and it's not even just the football club but it's it's everything Do you know the modalidad it's 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 literally everything and the same thing with with um the guys at benfica after 90 like mario and, and people like that they're amazing there's um the guy who runs a, a Porto page, I forget the name. You know, he's really they. All these people like reach out, and it's like it gets a, a reputation as a bit of a toxic place. Portuguese football sometimes, but when you come into the game like a neutral, like me, you get the best of of everything. It's just so it is really, really, um, not really nice. It's been a. I don't know what's next for us. To be honest, just hopefully more content, more. I just want COVID to go, so we can start traveling and doing bigger and better things, but. Yeah, it's guys like you on this podcast that keep me updated with particular clubs and stuff like that. So, yeah, kudos to you. Uh, thank you very much. But like, kudos as, as you, we though. said, yeah, keep up the like. It's honestly keep such killing like, it. Yeah, it's like a, like a community over there. Like going through just the replies, going through like some of the 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 articles you've got on there is just fantastic. But um, to that point, um. I'm just going to not really quiz you, but I want to have your opinion because you said you've been watching Portuguese football for a long time. Can you name me a starting 11 of your favourite ever Liga Nos players? Ooh. 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 That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> starting 11 of my favourite ever Liga Nos players. Um, you can choose formation, by the way. You can choose like whatever. If you want to just go, you know, ten attackers, one goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna overload on the left hand side and then switch. Um, <laughs> no, um, ten attackers and one goalkeeper. Okay. No, to be honest, goal, goal, goalkeeper is. Um, it's not a left field shout, but he wasn't in the league for that long. But I loved him growing up, and is. Ike Casillas was just, and I think yeah. he was, he was, he yeah. was brilliant as well for for Porto. And then everything that everything that happened in terms of um, uh, obviously when he had to stop playing and he had his health issues, and then he was just always he always struck me. I've never met him, you know. I'd love to meet him one day, but he's always he always comes across as just such a like a good guy, and he was, what a player as well, what a fantastic player, and to have him in the league was like. That was like a just an like amazing a moment. Yeah, I remember at the time it was all over like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It was yeah. one of those signings that was like put the. I know the league was already sort of on the map, but like he was one that really elevated mm. it. So yeah, I, I'd agree with that as well. And he could have went as well. He could have went to any number league, any number of leagues, and then a lot more than he was in in a Porto. 
because obviously they had the financial issues because they were paying wages and stuff. But I can tell you now, the wage that Porto would have been paying him, he would have been able to go to to MLS because he was nowhere near finished or anything like that. Yeah. And um, you know, the the these leagues would become a more competitive. It's not like it was where you can you know, retirement leagues. Um, so yeah, the fact that he chose Portugal, I. I was just like amazing, um, and then I'm not even going to do it. See, I'm just going to reel off some of my favorite because I'll end up picking nine left wingers as a um, <laughs> as a former winger. Um, let me think. Let me think. I've got it. I've Cristiano in there, you know. Even though he, I've to. got, I've, I've got yeah. to because I know some people were saying I'm cheating because he didn't play for too long, but. Um, yeah, even to be he'll honest, come, even he'll the, come home soon. Don't worry, he'll come home soon. That you know what that would be so that would be <laughs> that would be the, like that'd be so so good. I hope his um, I hope his mum is constantly saying that to me. You know, Dolores. I hope she's just saying like, you do see me on Instagram every week with the sporting scars and the, 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 the like. <laughs> she'd she'd love nothing more for him to come home. Like imagine her seeing her son playing for her beloved club. You know when when she's of retirement age and she's just relaxing and she flicks on the TV or whatever and she sees Ronaldo in the in the green and white like that. It's just a it's just a wonderful story. So I'd love to see that happen. Um, Charisma, everyone knows, is one of my favourite ever players. Uh, I've well documented. Um, and people always talk about the career that he had as well and how it could have went this way and it could have went that way. And like I understand that, but at the same time. I don't know. I I I wouldn't change anything about him, you know, because it, I think it's just made him that sort of maverick that he is. Uh, even now, him coming back and playing for for Victoria in uh, in mm. Game is is just amazing. Like he, he's just such a such, such a great player. Um, who else? I'm just covering just legends here. To be fair, the the 2004 Porto team is one of the is one of the the things that stick out. It might sticks out in my mind that team, and then obviously when they split, and we got I got to see more of those players, which made me then go back and watch. Because when I saw like the likes of Cavalio at Chelsea, absolutely tearing it up and yeah. setting records for least goals conceded, that made me want to then go back and watch. Okay, let me see the season where they won the the league under Mourinho and they won the the Champions League and and see how he did there. Nuno Valente, the fullback, he came to Everton so I got to sort of see a first Andy Wayne at his best but again um, that was that was like an amazing moment I can never just pick like 11 players can I, I always have to just go off on mad tangents <laughs> let, um, let me just say on that 2000 on. just to add on to that on that 2014 Ricardo Carvalho to this day yeah exactly to this Sorry. day, Ricardo Carvalho is my favorite uh, center back, and Deku, like you just mentioned, my favorite ever midfielder. Both played for the fucking scums, <laughs> but my like testament to that team because that team was incredible. And uh, anybody yeah. that knows me, Jose Mourinho is like literally my my favorite fucking my favorite manager of all time too. Like, yeah, say he's washed yeah. or not, but I don't care. Like to me, he's he's the best. So yeah, just testament to that. Like that team was incredible. Yeah. And 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 I always feel like as well. Obviously, it's a personal team for me rather than like the best that's ever played. Because you got to think, I was as started getting into Portuguese football in around you know two thousand two thousand two, but only really in terms of the clubs sort of knew what was going on two thousand six two thousand eight, and then as it became more available going into the the future. So I always feel like I'm leaving out 
you know, great players, and um, you know, and and uh, but the end of the day, you can only really comment on who you've who you've watched, and even the likes of Deco. Like, I wish I'd have seen. I wish I'd have been old enough to see him more. Uh, I remember him obviously going to Chelsea and going to Barcelona and and that sort of era. But I think if you were born like ten years prior, like I always think of people like Tom. You mentioned Tom Cundit. He's seen every like great side. He's seen like obviously within his age, but like the likes of like the nineties team, like the two the two the two thousand one oh two the sporting team, the the mm-hmm. league champions. Like he would be able to player for player tell you exactly how many players. Uh, who scored how many goals that season? Who assisted who? You know, there's so many like just iconic names, uh, and I love the fact that so many of them are returning. Nico Gaetan coming back to the league, it's amazing. Like I love Nico Gaetan growing up, like those type of players. So, um, to be honest, I'll be here all day if I just keep reeling off players. Have I missed anyone really obvious? For me, I just up front watching Jackson Marty to Falcao together was. Like as much as they go so much bro. pain, my the god, team? they were ha- so Hammers? Them too. Yep. Oh, Hammers, Hammers. Joe McKeon, that, even though he was a snake, but like that Andre Villas-Boas, the the that unbeaten side, the Europa League winning side, <sighs> oh, unbelievable. I still now always think like that team and the 2004 team, and sort of comparing them, and and obviously they played completely different football as well. You got to remember. And one won the Europa League and one won the Champions League. So again, it's, it's not really fair to compare them in that way. But that just that team, the Hulk, even the likes of Varela, yeah. uh, as you say, Falcao, ridiculous. What a what a team that is. Um I'm trying to think, I'm trying to focus in on some more obscure players, the ones from outside. But it's hard, isn't it? Because when they get to a certain um a certain a certain level, a certain magnitude, they either then Go abroad or go to one of the big three. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, Lee Edson with the um, sticks in my mind with the yeah. with the backwards with the backwards S on the shirt like that. Th- things like that, like that, just that random trivia that lives in this brain of mine. Like they, they like misprinted the shirt and they had the the S backwards, and you can see pictures of it. And then he wore a shirt like that a couple of times. I don't think he wore it for his entire career, but like stuff like that, like sticks in my mind as a kid. Like, and then going on to being like getting YouTube for the first time. Like, isn't it mad to think we lived in a world without like constant access to the internet? I remember go- YouTube. First thing I did was was typing in all these play. I type in onto Google like best Portuguese players, best players to play in the Portuguese. And it will come up with names like Eusebio and Beriteo. Like, just like, and I'm like, 10-year-old me is watching like the five violins on YouTube in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, people are like, um, you know, what? what's this kid up to? So, um, yeah, there's just, there's so many, so many. <laughs> That's fine. Um, Danny, did you want to give a shot at 11? Oh, 11? No. <laughs> or even just, it's hard, just isn't it? When you're, posi- hard, when you're thinking no. of positions, it's, it's, it is difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I, I mean, I'll try to think of a guy you missed. That's what I was trying to think of a smaller team too, but you took the one I was going to say, Lietzen. I'm a big fan of Fabio Rochenbach. I don't know how much you watched him back in the Oof. day. At Sporting, I know he went to Barca and kind of flopped, and Middlesbrough, mm. he had a little spell, but at Sporting, even both times, the second time wasn't as good. That first time, I fell in love with the guy too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of it's, much else for me for like a, a personal reason. 
Jerry Mathieu in like the sort of last of few seasons. I know Ooh. you can't really compare him to like the Pepe, to the Caracavales, but for me, I watching him play, yeah, watching just, him play was a... just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. what um, a fantastic player, especially in like that. As you say, you don't really want to compare because you always think about how these players have got such like legendary status. But then, I mean, for what for what he meant for that. The sporting team, some of the performances he used to put in, he was heroic. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. like, I loved it. Obviously, he got the injury at the end and, and sort of halted his, his career a bit, a bit prematurely, even though he was sort of getting on. But that ending, like the pictures of him going to the training ground and like the play, you could see what it meant to the club when, when, um, when he, when he decided to leave it. And it, that, I think that shows you the impact of a player when, how, how his fellow, like, teammates in the club sort of responded uh, and and again he's another player that you know you type his name into Twitter and scroll back far enough Barcelona fans just like like he's like he's like meme status mm-hmm. to some of those and, and I, what's crazy is like a a meme player for someone at one club can be you know a, a complete hero at someone else so that's another thing about the, the the pharmacy thing you touched on it before I think Sam when you talked about um Quatters and yeah. Liverpool and Sunderland, and it's mm-hmm. like you compare them to now he's scoring ninety third minute winners, you know. <laughs> so it's it, to be fair, he get into Liverpool's team up front at the minute. Um, <laughs> oh, shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just gonna rattle off a few names. We will we will move on because I know we're a bit time conscious, but like. I'm not going to say like they would make like the starting eleven of like an all-time league loss, but for me, I know he's remembered for that miss. But Brian Ruiz in that first season was phenomenal. Like I still watch videos of him now. Yeah. He was so mm-hmm. good, but all he's remembered for is that miss, and that's that actually like really makes me upset because like he was like one of the integral parts of that team and the reason we were so good. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would name some of the guys who came from the academy, but like. I, I can't associate like Patricio and like this. I they, like you I can know still it's... mention them though. I, I I still think I know we're we're heartbroken, but if you look at the whole, especially my whole lifetime, I can't name a better goalkeeper than so Patricio good. in the Portuguese league. Maybe Vitor Bahia because I'm still kind of in that. It's actually, but maybe I mean, only that and helping me for me first. But it's like. Um, it's still too oh, raw to me. Grow up now. I defended Patricio. Give me a sec. No, I can understand why it'd be <laughs> sensitive. It's Sorry, go ahead, Sam. My bad. <laughs> but no, I saw in the comments Matthias Fernandez, Matty Goal as well. I, I yeah. loved watching him growing Matty up. Matty Goal, man. But like, yeah, I think we nailed it. But I think just for time reasons, I think you answered those questions brilliantly. Like, like so good. Your knowledge is just fantastic. <laughs> Much more than me. Took about half an hour. So like two quick questions though from from our, <laughs> our audience. First, two quick ones. Richard cool. Nevs uh, asks um, a Portugal's joint bid with Spain for the World Cup in 2030. Just general thoughts and where games could be played. You think it's even a good idea for us to have a joint bid with Spain? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the so the the presidents of the association. They said recently, the, the the Spanish Federation, I think it was, said um, that they'll give Portugal um, a couple of grounds. I can't remember how many alluded to. Is it four or five? I think it was. Just, it was a small fraction. I remember there was a sort of a bit of an outrage, and it was like, yeah, you'll just give Portugal like a couple. But then I think in terms of population and country size, 
if you actually did the percentages of how many they'd have. And and then there was another thing of because you've got to have a certain capacity. And I cannot remember for the life of me what it is. Uh, and but people were saying online, um, Portugal doesn't have the grounds for it. They don't have. They, I think the capacity thing was they was only they only had maybe four eligible stadiums, and obviously the three obvious ones. Uh, yeah. And but the whole point is when you do a bid, you select stadiums that are already built who have got room to extend so capacity. So when you so what I did was I went back and I looked at failed bids because I'm a sad individual and that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> and um like for example I looked at um I can't remember what country it was, but they selected seven seven stadiums that didn't have the capacity and each one they basically write next to it like plus fifteen thousand. Like we're gonna add fifteen thousand seats. This one needs eight thousand. This one needs twenty thousand. So in terms of going for for a bid, it means that the certain grounds that can be built on become bigger and obviously you know that's great to have you know huge stadiums in portugal but then also it always looks a bit it always looks a bit rubbish when you've got a massive stadium and you don't fill it so there's that sort of point to it but i think i think it'd be i think it'd be a good thing i think portugal have shown in the past how well they can people still say euro 2004 is one of the best organized tournaments ever and obviously i went there I, i was too young but Apparently, the, the 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 structuring of it, the way that he did it, um, the sort of all the players are really happy with it. The training camps, everything was perfect from start to finish in terms of the actual organisation of the tournament. And I know people who went to that tournament and all the journalists and stuff, and they all say the vibe in Portugal, and especially because the Portuguese people are just amazing. So the, you've got legions of people from other countries coming in. And, you know, you want to be respectful because of how well the Portuguese people treat them. So that's another thing is that it's like one of the tournaments with the least amount of trouble, like fan trouble, because it just seems like everyone there just adopted this Portuguese attitude of just like, just chill, we'll chill out. Sagres, have a super bock, whatever. We chill, we'll go watch the game, you know, and get on with, with the locals and sort of mix well. So... Yeah, from a footballing perspective, I'd I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. And in terms of how many grounds you get, you know, it may not be a lot, but detrimental in terms of detrimental effects on the on the on the on the country. People will always talk about finances. Should the money be spent in better places? And that's but that that's a a real you know suit and tie debate from a purely footballing perspective. I'd love it. Plus, I'd be able to go, so I'd be absolutely made up. So I'd, I'd love to love to do that. Yeah, facts, facts. And uh, last question, um, you sort of answered it, but this is more, I guess. Um, Juicebox, the all is asking more. If you fell also in love with the country of Portugal, the culture, do you speak any Portuguese? Ah, uh, that's a one. Oh, I can see that quite. That's a wonderful question. Yeah. So yeah, the the in terms of falling in love. With the country, one hundred percent. What that's actually when you asked me before about this, this, how I sort of got into it, that's one thing I didn't really touch upon. Is if if I was that besotted by the football, but it was just the football, probably would have been something I'd left behind. But it was if there was something about Portugal that made me keep going back. And obviously, we had lots of family holidays with my family there. That's where we always used to go. I used to love the people there. Um, the food, everything about it, the cities. I love going and exploring different places, and and then in terms of um speaking it, get it's 
it's getting there. It's difficult. It's difficult. But um, I, I, if you follow my personal accounts, actually, I documents when I'm doing. Um, you can plug it if you want. By the way, if you wanna just. No, nah, it. it's that's just the, to be honest. It's just me. It's uh, it's Adam Barton, UK. I think my right, guy, my guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Adam Barton, UK. Yeah, the 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 that is just musings on like life and and stuff away from football but i'll i'll constantly post like portuguese like uh speaking updates and i do like online classes it was a lot easier before covid because i had a tutor yeah. portuguese tutor and then she stopped but i feel like the best way to learn is uh it's just by being there i mean people would they hear your accents and straight away they'll start speaking english and i'll just be like no no o preciso practicar like please let me speak Portuguese, and then I like, go oh, sing, sing, and then and then you just that's <laughs> it, you speak. But um, yeah, uh, everything about it, the country, what a place, what a place. Agreed, <laughs> agreed, and and that's the same with me. Even like, okay, I grew up in a Portuguese household, right? So my Portuguese, obviously, I'm I'm a bit better because I'm I have more exposure to it. But mm-hmm. it's kind of at a, like an eh level. Anytime mm-hmm. I go to Portugal, one week there, I feel like I'm fluent because it's just constantly practicing and all the interactions you know it's way better um anyways let's go straight into the uh huge 2-1 win at home against santa clara uh let me quickly throw up the uh the starting 11 and aaron i'm gonna get your thoughts on it uh but our 11 was as followed we had azan in net we had fazal kwatsinasio in the back nunu mens mateus nunes as right wing back um joan mario and pelinga uh, in the midfield, Gonçalves, Tiago Tomás, and Tabata up top with uh, substitutions of uh, Matheus Reis, Santos, and Daniel Bragança, and Jovan, who actually almost scored at the end. Um, Aaron, thoughts on this game? I thought Santa Clara approached the game very well. It was it was always going to be difficult for, in particular, Matheus Nunes. You can see just how important... Pedro Pojo is to, to the team in terms of what he brings defensively and offensively. And if you watch the first half, Santa Clara tried to uh, play down his side. They, they kept playing balls over the top. In fact, I think it was 10 or 15 minutes in was when they had the, the their sort of big chance in the first half. They put a ball over and he, Mateus Nunes, just sort of coming centrally and him and uh, Inacio nearly sort of run into each other because spatially he's he's a bit like you know he's he's in a completely different which is completely understandable right. he's in a um a completely different role and he you know he adapted i didn't think he did terribly uh some people were really really critical about he's never going to put in a pedro Porro performance because he's not pedro Porro. so at the end of the day that's it, it is what it is and that's Jovan chance you were mentioning then um that was a that would have been a Quattas assist as well, wouldn't it? Quattas, mm-hmm, yep. yeah. So I love the fact that he just decides to go and be a striker with like ten minutes to go. He just before the goal as well, he had a he had a, ch- a header that just went over. Um, yeah, I think I think they they played a they played a game. I spoke about it on the on the podcast that came out today. Is um, Santa Clara really? They gave. Sporting uh, questions to think about, and and I I don't even mean just the goal, the fact that it was one one. I mean in terms of the overall performance. Um, but I've spoke time and time again about this sporting team and why it feels different to me than than sporting teams in the past, and that is because I feel like they have such good character that when teams 
to fend well and when teams will sit on a low block and when teams will sort of frustrate them, they always find a reason. They always find a way to overcome. They always find a way to do it. And you saw that again, you know, 93rd minute, Coates' uh, goal. But, you know, we I've spoken at length, especially the games that he played on the islands against um, Maritimo, when the weather was really, really bad a couple of months back. Those type of games where it was like, right, off the coach, we're here, you get three points and you come back home. That's it. It doesn't have to be the best performance. It doesn't have to be this like wonderful array of attack and talents and every single player putting in a 10, a 10 out of 10 performances. You know, can you defend well? And can you beat the opponents? And that—that's what he did well. Um, I think for the Pedro Gonzalez goal, the Balinha does wonderfully well. Where he sort of he cuts out a, there's a pass that comes to him, and it's like the turn that he does, and he plays it off to João Mario, who then plays it into Bruno Tabata. Um, was you know was a wonderful goal, and then I feel like it wasn't. The, the approach it wasn't it wasn't so much sporting resting on the laurels and thinking right we've got an advantage we've got a lead let's just see this out San, you've got to give Santa Clara credit they frustrated them uh, they wouldn't let sporting play and that was why you you saw the game that you saw um but in the end I mean the final whistle's blown and and sporting win the game it wasn't the best performance in fact it was probably one of the worst performances of the season but it's three points two goals scored and Still at the top of the table, and I feel that's why this season the sporting team is different. It's just built different. No facts. I, I thousand percent agree, Sam. How about you, dude? Yeah, I mean, pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I think um, it was probably one of our worst performances this year. I mean, if you look at stats, I think the game tells a different story. We had fifty nine percent possession, but we didn't do much with it. Um, <laughs> we only had four shots on target in the whole game, and I think that's due to. I know I'm going to get stick for this on Twitter, but Thiago Tomas is not good enough. Like, I mean, like I said, I never want to see a player do bad or anything, but like, with I know it's difficult with Paulinho's injury, but one thing about sporting this year, which is really, like, really weird, is how we got rid of um, Spora to get Paulinho, but then our main strikers as backup are Thiago Tomas and Jovan. I know we've got the people in the B team that are registered, but they're not ready. But like Pedro Mendes, he might not have been good enough to start, but he was loaned out to uh, to Nacional. I believe we've got Pedro Marquez. I'm not sure where he's gone, but he was another one as well. And I think it would be just nice to have a little bit of a mix-up from Thiago Tomas, because I know Thiago Tomas, to his credit, works hard. Runs every game. Against Porto especially, I thought he played really well, annoying Pepe. And like... He he has his qualities, but as a striker, I don't think he's that's his position. I reckon on the wing is more more his his forte. But um, there was a lot of fouls in this game. I thought I think it was a total of forty two um, fouls, only three yellows. But like it was a game that I thought no one particularly played that great in. I thought Coates again was fantastic. Vidal had a had a rare off game, which I thought is very unlike him, very unlike the defense. Uh, you bring off Matthews Nunes. I didn't think he played badly, but part of me was thinking, you know, you, you bring in Joe Pereira. I know part of it was for um for the, the coaching team, and I got <laughs> quite a lot of backlash for that on Twitter, saying, "Oh, where's Joe uh, Joe Pereira?" But like, I think if you're going to sign someone, they need to play regardless of age. If they're good enough to sign, they're good enough to play. But I would mm. at least like to see okay. a cameo from him. But like, you know, um, it's part. It's now I've got to the point where, as Aaron picks a team, I may disagree with some of it, but he's the manager and he's got it right. 
100%, if not like 99% of the time. But um, Kawata's again, man, like, he's just so integral to this team. And it's it's funny because I'm going to hold my hands up here. A year ago, two years ago, I slated him badly. You know, he was scoring on goals. He was doing mistakes. But, like, under Amorim, I don't know what he's done, but, like, it seemed to lit a fire under him. Like, like you said, a goal scorer, but also a great defender. I think he's just one of those as well. I'm not sure if you've seen um, that when he did take that contract extension, he didn't ask for a salary uh, increase. So he's on the, pretty much the same salary as he was before, which mm-hmm. uh, if if you know anyone from a Liga Nos fan, that is what they love is like a player just not doing it for money, doing it for like love of the team. But um, I was thinking about this the other day, and I know we still got a lot of games to play, but like if Kawhi, if we win the title, right, and Kawhi says, you know what, there's no more I can do with this team. Like, I know we've got Champions League, but I think he's got to the point, if we do win, that he can be one of those guys who would leave. As much as it would break my heart, I could completely understand. Like, with Patricia, if, if like, Patricia, William, if they won, like, the league, and they said, you know, we've won the league, we've done all we can, we move on. But, like, for me, I think Coates has sort of earned that right. He was he stayed through the Alcachet attacks. And I know, like you said, Aaron, a meme status for another club doesn't mean... Uh, he can't be a hero. I remember he was thinking with like the Milan teams. He could have gone realistically, and he could have he could have like gone to Italy, could have gone to Spain, even like mid-table teams in England. But like he stayed, and I think I think he's integral to this team, and I think he's one of the reasons we're playing so well. But um, in terms of game, you know, it was it was it was frustrating. It was, but like those are, these are the points that a year ago we would have dropped one hundred percent under Silas under. Yep. Joseph Passero, like we, we, I, I'm not sure how much you listen, but that is, we say that so often. Like last yeah. year, that's a, that's a game we lose, and you know, it's credit to the team. You know, I've always been a firm believer that uh, beautiful football doesn't win titles. I mean, it's nice to watch, but at the end of the day, all that matters is the W in the column, and I think Sporting are doing great with that this year, and, and I love to see it. To be honest, fast. Awesome facts uh, i mean yeah you said it perfectly bro you're saying a year ago i think 10 years ago we would have lost this game like the the, the mentality the mentality behind the sporting team that ruben amurin is instilled is like kind of unfamiliar to me like uh, i can't believe we actually we pulled off I, w- I was meaning to look for it but i was just been too busy at work and then i didn't have time uh before the podcast i wanted to see how many goals we scored uh 80 minutes plus because it's been an incredible number for sure this year uh, another game winner, um, and, and and like I I think I'm just gonna say it, repeat basically what you guys have been repeating. Um, you know the these are the games that and as cliche as it is, these are the games that make champions. You don't always have to play well; you just have to win, and that's exactly what happened. And I'm glad that they that there is a switch at Sparting uh, this season. That if even if we are down or we're or not down, but even if we are playing bad. There's still that belief within the team that we can get a goal and 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 still ride the ship and still get the W. Um, yeah, that's really all I had to say about this game. I don't know if you guys wanted to add anything else on that. Um, Sam or Aaron, um, I will say that um, I'm as the reports say, Paulinho should be back after the international sure. break, which I believe is not this week, the week after. So hopefully we start to see a little... The good thing about Paulinho is he holds the ball up really well. He's got that technique on the ball. 
I think we will start to play better once he's there. And again, no, no knock to Thiago Tomas there, but like, you know, no record time. Yeah, like, and you can see, yeah, you can see, we need a, we miss a central figure in there too. Sorry, and it's like I was saying as well. Bastos in this team, I reckon, score like he scores way more than his first season. I know he broke records, but I think in this team, like playing with, like I know the T, you can't compare the teams, and like I'm not in the business of that, but like. I think he's someone who held the ball up really well, took his chances. And, like, I just think when Paulinho comes back, we're going to see what we saw before he got injured. And I think we were playing much better before that. But, um, I mean, we've got, like, the one thing I love about Amorim uh, is that he never says, oh, yeah, we're going for the title. It's always the next game is the most important. And I think game. in in terms mm-hmm. of the young team that we have, I think that's a really good example to be setting. But you don't want to be like, yeah, we're ten points clear, because then that leads to like, like you know, like big-headedness and ego. But I think he's got him grounded, which is good. But um, I'm not sure if Aaron wants to add anything on to the game. Uh, yeah, I I think they've got a group of players there that want to play for the manager, which is just, which is massive, which is huge because. You can have the most talented squad in the world, but if they don't believe in what the coach believes in, and they don't, you know, it's easy as well for the manager to get off the on the wrong foot. And it's never the players who get sacked; it's always the manager. And since he went in from day one, even before that, when he was, it, when he was at Braga, he's he won over the Braga players like that. Their performances just went because he's a good manager. He, he clearly a good man management manager as well. He believes in the young players. He also believes in having an experienced core. So when you look at the sporting team, it is a young team, but it's got that nice experienced core in there as well. So you've got the likes of Quarters at the back right there. You can see on the graphic, and then just you know, just to the right of him, João Mario. He's been there. He's done it. You know, European champion with Portugal, um, and then you've got the likes of. You know, men coming through your younger players. Pedro Gonçalves, who's a player who Wolves fans, when he left, didn't even know his name. They did, did, did you know? Do you know what I mean? It got to that point where it was like mm-hmm. he had to go. Okay, it hasn't quite worked out. Let me go to Familiar Let me play under Joel Pedro Sousa and put these performances in. Get signed, and now you're seeing a player, you know, really flourishing. That doesn't happen if you haven't got a, if you don't have a manager who doesn't have 100% confidence in you. And I, th- I feel like that's... You alluded to it a little bit before, Sam, when you said about Coates. I, d- I don't know what Amarim's done. Amarim's just made him believe in the talent that he's always had and he's he's helping to bring it out of him. And you can be the most talented player in the world, I keep saying it, but you need someone there to work with you. And that's not just Amarim as well. That's a credit to the whole backroom staff uh, and the club itself. And yeah, that ethos of just, you know, what title... We've got more names next week. That's that's the ti- that's the title game, and that's why you keep going to these places without, you know, this performance wasn't the best. In fact, it was one of the worst. Give Santa Clara the credit. They've they've you know they've done this to a lot of teams this season. They've frustrated opponents um, for for near on ninety minutes, but they got the points and they went they went back home. So yeah, he's a, a fantastic manager, and um, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I just think they're in a position now where you can't just rest on your laurels and think, yeah, the title's in the bag because 
still unbeaten in the league, so you've still got that to play for as well. And that'll be in his mind. He won't ever say it. He won't ever say, yeah, we want to be invincible. If I mean, if you asked him in a press conference, he'd probably say, you know, the sooner we the sooner we lose, we get it over and done with. It's off our back then. Because that's pressure. Never losing, the, not losing the game domestically is pressure. You know, the it sounds stupid to say, but there'll be, there'll be managers out there who will think the sooner we just get this, like take a loss because it's how you actually cope from that, cope with that, because that can crush a team or they can bounce back from it. We don't know how Sporting could suffer after losing in the Liga because he's just making sure it doesn't happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> credit to him. I mean, you can't ever see how, how well a team can bounce back if there's nothing to bounce back from. So, <laughs> they've... Um, yeah, I mean it's been they've been great to watch. I feel like they've put in every type of performance as well this season. They they're not just sort of one sick ponies. They have games where they'll be frustrated and they find a way. Um, they'll they'll opt to go through the middle rather than going. You know, if if it's a team where they're doubling up on Nuno Mendes or Pedro Porro, they'll go through the middle. They'll go more direct. Um, if it's a team which are you know sitting in a low block, they've got a really tall defence. They're not gonna just give the ball to Nuno Mendes and ask him to put a cross in against the team who've got two six foot seven centre and a half. Do you know what I mean? They adapt to the game and how it's played and, and that's why you continually come away with good results because you've got a manager who can look at the game and think, right, what's the best approach for this particular game rather than just playing the same way every single week? So, yeah. That's me waxing lyrical about the sport thing. I have no. really enjoyed, even though I, I and I, it's a little bit of a the sadist in me. I actually really like watching games where teams are frustrated because I like seeing how are you going to cope with this? You've got five yeah. minutes to go. How are you going to cope with it? You know, it's easy to compliment the team when they're five nil up every week, but how do you deal when you're being frustrated and and when the games are are scruffy? I like to see tactically how do the players move? How are they coping with it? You know, there's ten men behind the ball. What are you going to do? You're going to keep doing the same thing over and over. Are you going to adapt and overcome? So, yeah. No, fast. And, <laughs> and to that point, even even Amuring has mentioned that um, he wants to even see how this team reacts after a lot. He's mentioned that at least in the last four or five um, press conferences that he's had, um, stating that exactly. And that's the, one of the reasons why he won't, um, you know, say, you know, favorites for the title per se, that it's just game by game. Because like he said, even and like you said just now, he doesn't know exactly how this team will react to a loss. Um, so yeah, when that, I mean, we've seen them lose, but not in the league yet. When when that happens, we'll see how they come the next game. If that does happen, I hope not. Um, but uh, yeah, a thousand percent agree on that. Um, I, I'm just going to ask you guys your man, man, man of the match. I'm going to give mine as, as goal point did as well to Quatch. A quick point on Quatch, like Sam did mention, the, the, the contract extension with no um, pay raise. What I want to emphasize here is this is definitely Quatez's best year at Sporting, and it just so happens to be a, a captain, and even still, he's not demanding a pay rise. That is something that very few and far between players will do, you know? Like, a contract extension would have been good as it is, and if he did get a pay raise, I don't think many Sporting especially not now, uh, would, would even bat an eye at it, because he's deserved it. I mean, he's won us two, three games already, uh, this season at least, not to talk about the other seasons that, yes, maybe he scored an own goal or two, but, um, I mean, we played Tondela this weekend. I still remember, if it wasn't last year's, maybe two or three years ago, that Tondela winner where he takes off his shirt and, you know, going crazy. <laughs> Didn't get a yellow card, by the way, which is <laughs> hilarious. But, yeah, like, I still remember that. So, the fact that he, the fact that he's having his best season at Spartan right now and still didn't get a pay raise, I think that's, that's um, exactly what 
I won't even say what I think most fan bases or all fan bases will want, but especially as Spartanistas, who we've seen our club, you know, lose players on a free or or, or have club legends, you know, rescind their contract um, for more money, you know. And uh, so shout out to Coates. Uh Sam, you're man of the match. You know how I always like to go like a different route to the normal man of match, but there's literally no other like there's no one like <laughs> there is when that happens. It's just you know uh, I've got his shirt under here somewhere. I'm not going to look for it, but like you know he's one of them players that like there are some players that I've had on sporting shows before, and I'm like I don't really wear it out in public because people are like who's that who's that and like you have to sort of explain, but like. I'm happy wearing a quarter shirt out, and I don't plan to wear it out ever again. I plan to hang it um, in a frame if we do win the, the title. I think it would look like just above the TV. I've got, I'm not sure if you can see it there, but I've got like a basket one just above the TV there. I mean, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there. But I plan to do something like that. Um, but um, no, he's he's fantastic. Man of the match, one of the players of the season. Like, it's quarters, no, no one else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's um it's an obvious choice. I'm the same as you, Sam. I always try and go try and go down an alternative route, and it also makes it always me. I always think, am I am I just picking a player because I want to seem like I'm being different, or like I'm just trying to appear uh, contrarian? But no, it, it was um he was yeah he was he was fantastic. And hey, at the end of the game, he created two three chances. He had the one that headed over defensively. He was good. Um, and he was, you know, he was the match winner. And yeah, you've made me think now, Sam. I want to, um, I'm gonna have to get some more shirts up. I've only got two up. I need to get. I've got so much empty space, empty wall space, and just having them, um, literally having. I've only two. started uh, during that lockdown. That was a, a 21st birthday present in the basketball shirt here, and like nice. the the Bastos fake came from Depop, but there's like Depop eBay. There is some fakes, as I've unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, a box of like this of his stuff. That's all. I don't know what to do with it. So like, it's literally like of just of shirts, and like there's just so many classics in it. I just think like that this kit, the Euro 2004, the away. It's yeah. just like such a sick kit, and like I love that one. 2004 home. Like there's just there's just so many 2002. Um, oh, actually, look what I've got in here. Oi! <laughs> this is um, yeah. There's some there's some memorabilia in here. There's some um, 2008. I need to I need to sort it all out. It's just everywhere in the room. Or uh, I need to organise some sort of office space where get it up, get it on, I mean, uh, get it on show. We, we need to have you back with Christian because Christian also has a crazy fucking collection of just uh, shirts. As many Spartans, to be honest, but retro, you know, past, present. We need to have you back on. It's basically what yeah. I, I will say as well, especially, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Ellis Patton, the Porto fan, who's also a football shirt collector. I, I found him during lockdown on YouTube and like, yeah, there, there's so, like, especially in the UK, the prices of, of like retro football shirts have, like Aaron, I'm not gonna lie. I think we're sitting on like hundreds of hundreds of pounds there. That, like, yeah, that, that's yeah. Even just like just the, the merchandise. There was a, a guy who sent us loads of the shirts that came in. That he sent us some merchandise out, and was like, "Um, I'm getting rid of some of this stuff. I'm moving house." 
I was like, he didn't tell me what it was, what was in the sort of box. He was like, I'm going to send it. He was like, I followed the page for years. He was a Portuguese guy living in England. And he was like, yeah, yeah, these are just the things that if I weren't giving them to you, I'd just be getting rid of them. So I'm thinking, you know, there probably isn't a lot in here, but, you know, it's a nice thought. And when he sent it, it was like so many just ridiculous items. I, I messaged him and I was like, if that's the stuff you're getting rid of, because I know if you're a share collector, you're keeping some stuff. He was like, oh, yeah. He was like, that's the stuff that doesn't make the collection. And I was like, <laughs> what have you got? And he was like, listing the stuff that he got. He sent us that. That's nice. the... Um, it's signed by um, Cedric, Renato Sanchez, Ruben Neves, and Helder Costa. And then he was like, that was just after a game. He got them to sign it. And he was like, uh, yeah. And uh, he was like, there's only like four or five signatures on it. And then he sent me a picture of the a 2016 um, shirt signed by the entire squad that won it with the, uh, with the little patch uh, versus, um, versus France. I was like, Okay, that's what's in your collection. Then you must be sitting on like grands on grands on grands. And he sent us actually one for you guys. I posted the picture on the Twitter, like commemorative beer bottles from. Oh, yeah. I can't. This is it. Full. They've still got. They've still got. Some beer in there, oh shit. It'd be, it's the unopened that's for the sporting geesters out there, and then it, it's got like in silver, like inscription. Um, obviously, it's all in Portuguese. I don't know if there's any, is like a song on there, or yeah, and then that's the um, put that one away quickly. That and looks then, like some uh, hot sauce. That's what that looks like. Oh, yeah, that no, does hey, look like. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like that's that like type of stuff. Like, I'll keep all of this. I should have just like sat this on there. But yeah, no, it's. um. But yeah, the expi- I don't know when they were made. The expiry date on that is April 2001. So <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, the, the, this is, you know, before the last Premier League title was won. So <laughs> is, I might, I'll, I'll pop this open when the... Uh, he, I actually sent me, he actually sent me a message and was like, oh yeah, by the way, um, don't open it. And he, oh, was like, yeah. be, he was like, it'll be fully fermented and it'll smell horrible. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep them. I'm going to keep them. He was like, he was like, no, I mean it. Like if you ever think, oh, I'll open it on special occasion. He was like, don't, it'll put you in hospital. I was like, facts. Okay. <laughs> that's a fact <laughs> so yeah he's a shout he's a top guy shout out to him uh, shout out to him um cool I'm, I'm gonna quickly move on to Mudalizaj. uh gonna spew out some uh some of our results before going into next week's or sorry saturday's fixture um so uh spartan will beat uh maya 32 to 25 and on ball um what else do we got here? Of course, we have uh, incredible winners. Uh, I'm only remembering uh, Patricia Mamona um, with an incredible uh, gold medal victory over the weekend. Um, the ladies football team, uh, late Nirvana goal for a one nothing win against Braga to keep pace at the top uh, with Befica next weekend. We play them a uh, huge game. They're two. They're, they're just two points ahead of us. So, uh, you know, you know, uh, all eyes on the female game this weekend. Uh, basketball team won, uh, lost to Porto and, Be- and Befica won. So everyone is uh, 18 wins and two losses, I believe. Um, what else do we have? We have um, 
Yeah, and that score was 81 to 78 uh, to Porto. Um, football and Musculino, of course, we, we beat Santa Clara 2-1. The B team beat Rapesh from Asorj 4 nothing. Um, the under-23s uh, for the Tasa de Revelação uh, beat uh, Coimbra 2-1. Uh, like I mentioned, the female team beat Braga 1-0. The futsal team beat Povuense uh, 7-2. Um, I know there was a huge volleyball game, I believe. Uh, Hockey the Petinge uh, beat Vienna 9-3. Um, and the women's team beat Feda 10-1. Um, volleyball. Uh, yeah, like I said, we beat... Uh, so, in the, in the quarterfinals, we beat Ispingo 3-0. We beat Le Schoenge 3-0 in the semifinals. In the finals, we beat Befica 3-1. Um, I believe we that, that won us the Tasa de Portugal in volleyball. So congrats to the guys. And uh, the female team for the league uh, won in volleyball as well, 3-1 to one against Guimarães. Uh, to my Mudalidades lovers out there, I'm not the hard, biggest hardcore Mudalidades fan like Steph is, so I apologize. Uh, and next week we will have uh, somebody better doing the Mudalidades. That is for <laughs> sure. Uh, but shout out to all our mudalidades, you know, super important part, especially for uh, all clubs in Portugal. But you know, none other more than than Sporting here. Um, let's pivot it back to, sp- to to soccer or to football, I should say. Sorry, I'm talking to two <laughs> British dudes. I, sh- I shouldn't say soccer. My bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and Sporting go away uh, against Tondela um, this uh, Saturday. Let me quickly just remind you guys Tondela's last few fixtures. Um, they currently uh, sit in 10th place, 24 points, one point behind Riwav. They're having a pretty good season uh, by their, by all accounts on there. Uh, and they did just come from a 3-0 slapping um, in Algarve, 3-0 against um, They The game before, they beat Tondela 1-0. They lost to Braga 4-2, and then they beat Maritimo, struggling Maritimo, 2-1. Uh, Aaron, preview and prediction. How do you see this Tondela game going for us? Um, they'll make it difficult. They'll make it difficult. They're not a complete warhover. Um, and I think as you get into this part of the season now as well, I think we'll be going into Jornada 23, is it? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. So, um, you, yeah, there's lots of teams near the bottom. So, they're actually one of the teams that get into that point where they're, they're not, clearly, obviously, they're not safe. I think down at the bottom, it's like 19, 20, Vista maybe on 21. So they've got that nice buffer there up there on 24 points. Um, but yeah, one loss, they can easily be back down there. So um, I, I can see, I can see, um, I, can, I always see nothing but a, a sporting win because of the character and and hopefully they put on, you know, a better performance. Again, it'll be a side who will try and frustrate them, who will try and um, stop sporting from playing and stop utilising, um, you know, the, the key strengths, the key areas. Again, without Paulinho difficulties, not back until um, is it the early part of of April? It's back yeah. like the start of April, and like so, uh, yeah. So that'll be difficult. But the this is a team who overdapt, overcome. Tondela will need um, will they, they they need points? But I said this on on the Prosimujanada podcast. This is a this is a 
not a free hit for them. But they're looking at this game. This isn't the type of game that their status in the league is going to be dependent on. So yeah. they're not looking at the sporting game and thinking this is the game that either relegates us or it doesn't. They're happy to keep picking up points, Maritimo, you know, Porto Manens, trying to take points off those uh, kind of teams. Anything from sort of above them in the league from ninth, eighth above is uh, if they can go there, if they can get a point or if they can snatch a win, brilliant. If not, it's not the end of the world. So I can see nothing but a, but a sporting win and I think they'll put on a good performance. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with 3-1 sporting. That's my prediction. So you can come back when I get it completely wrong and it's 1-0. Quasar's 97th minute winner. <laughs> hey, man, so long as they win, I don't care what score you get. <laughs> How about you, Sam? Um, just to Aaron's point, I don't think any of us have ever got a prediction right on this and we've been doing this for three years now. So, so <sighs> If I get it. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, is it Nuno Gabriel, Danny, who's watching all of our old ones? Yeah. I think he was from episode 85. No, he was even, I think he only got to 85 today. So he was, he was like a little delayed on it. So he's been watching it since he last picked up on it. And I think it was like 70 something. And he's on like 85 today. And he still has no another way. like 20 something to go. That, what a beast. Shout out to Nuno. That's when you dead. finally do see this in like two weeks' time, we love you, Matt. <laughs> That's dedication, man. That's dedication. How many? That so, what, ep- what episode number is this? I believe this is 102. Yeah. Hey, congratulations on the triple figures, boys. That's I'm on episode <laughs> seven and I am exhausted. Like, <laughs> the just the editing and stuff. Obviously, this is live, but now nah, that's such an that's such an achievement. So I'm thinking, like, oh, I can't wait to get to episode 10. Like, that's such an achievement. <laughs> but episode over 100. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I mean, to be to Nuno's credit, he's still got to get that Bruno the Cabado podcast out of the way, which I believe is like two and a half hours. <laughs> so it was I, a long, we, it was a long one, and he's very, he was, he goes off on philosophical tangents. I, I, I was dropping in and out. I think I was working at that when it was live, but I, I went back and and um and watched it. You can just listen to that guy um speak for so like just yeah. about anything the, the way he speaks, he's just a guy that fascinates me and that was such a good podcast as well i sent that into um sent that into like four or five group chats and i was like get on this so um hopefully they got a couple of views from that but now it's um, every time you put good content out it sort of sells itself people want to watch it i imagine that's probably one of the videos with the highest amount of views because it was just oh obviously yeah, I, by, by miles i think by by easily. at least two thousand <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's ridiculous yeah. like and, and that's testament to because i know how hard behind the scene people only ever see the interview they never actually see the work that goes into trying to schedule the interview get times and get dates and i know how sometimes it can be difficult and then speaking to certain people like so i fully understand so to do it and then to actually conduct the interview and then for it to go as well as it did and then for people to watch it is um for a viewer it's just a one a one step, um, one step process. They click and they watch. But I know for you guys, there's a, a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. So credit to you. Um, brilliant interview as well. To be honest, I thought you conducted it very well. He's just such a. I don't know what it is. He's got this, he's, it's like <laughs> he's got like this mag. Is it like like magnetizing? Like there's like an aura about him where when he speaks, you yeah. you just want to listen to him. So. Yeah, no, that was that was brilliant. I was very jealous, actually. I was like, I wish I, I, wish I was in on this. 
No, but like, I'm not sure if Danny has it, but I still have like PTSD from an interview we were trying to get with a, a basketball player from the actual sporting modality. But um, I'm not mm. sure if you're around for that point, but um, we actually got a call. I think, Danny, was it 15 minutes, 10 minutes before we were supposed to go live? It <laughs> yeah, was something like camera. like that. I, I think I remember, got, I, I think I remember this, yeah. He, did the guy did the guy call to say that he officer. that they put that they pulled they pulled the plug on it? Yeah, it was. It wasn't him though. Officer. It was yeah. It was, it was the, the back officer. At yes, yeah. I, I remember this. And then didn't you need to go ahead and do a podcast that same night though? Where we yeah, should we yeah. 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 I mean, we promised one, and everybody was already in the chat, right? Like excited for it, so might as well. We That's got hard, so man, many okay. questions as well. Like there were so many questions. Like they were, they were like before that we didn't really have like we had like this the sporting one sixty guys on, but like we didn't have like a proper like connect like an athlete or anybody yet. like that, you know? Yeah, they, it was like always... we were so hopeful, but like then, uh, well, I don't. We didn't get the guy's name. It was sort of like a a quick thing, but we think it was Miguel Braga, who is like the head of communications now, and he was Did just basically was like a, yeah. a reason for it. Was it just? Because we we spoke bad about Verandas and like people, was, yeah. people have questioned yeah. questioned that in the past. Um, yeah, they've questioned it and said, "Oh, we don't believe it." I've got Danny and Chris as a witness. I had it on loudspeaker. He said that because we we trashed Verandas that we weren't allowed. And I I did try and fight the case. I didn't just say whether I just said like so we can't have an opinion. And he was like, "You can have your opinion, but we can have ours," which is fair, I guess. But yeah. Like, my my biggest regret on that. Is uh, not going live right when he said like we can't have them on and just have them repeat it to us while everybody sees it. Just Say that again. I mean that would have been that would have been brilliant. Content. Say that again. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. But, um, but in t- in terms of triple digits, bro, you'll get there like really quickly. Don't even worry about that, man. One a week it, or two. I think we're doing we're doing we're averaging. To be fair though, it's it's hard with the. We're doing like one a week, but then sometimes we'll do like one every nine days, but then some days we'll do two within a space of five days. So it's very, yeah. there's no real sort of structure to it. I think when it becomes a little bit more um, advanced, it, it will it will get there. But yeah, double digits will do me for now. Another another two or three weeks, and then we and then we move from there. <laughs> yeah, but um, I was just going to say something else about the, the podcast, but like. Yeah, that was just, it was weird. Like, never in my wildest dreams did I think that would happen. But, like, um, when we used, when we were in European competition, like, when we first started, we were in Champions League. We had the games against Juventus. And, like, we used to do one, like, every sort of game. So it would be, like, every, two every week. And, like, I can speak for Steph as well, who's not with us today. That That was, at the start, because it was just two of us, like, we had significant burnout by the end. So thankful to Danny and Chris for that. <laughs> but, like, yeah, like 100 episodes is mad. But um, to, to get back on topic of a Tondela, <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I always think they're a team, especially against us, that play, like, really well. They're sort of like a bogey team for us that they always have that chance to upset. And we, I feel like we have a lot of those just because, uh, like, recent years, We've done a, th- a few, um, a few, a few bad performances, but like Tondela are not a team to be messed with. But I personally think it's going to be another struggle without Paulinho, depending if Pedro Porro is back as well. But I'm going to go. I think it will be like a dirty two 0 I think we will struggle, but I think we will we'll come out there on the other side. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I also don't see anything other than a win, and of course, all three of us saying a win is gonna 
you know, fuck us over in the long run. But uh, I, I, I can't, I can't, I've been saying this the last few weeks and I'm, I try to be a pessimist when, when I predict these things, but I just can't go against this team. Like where we're firing on all cylinders, even when we're not like at our best, we're still finding ways to win games. Um, but yeah, like Aaron said, Tondela's, uh, they're going to make it hard for us. They've always made it hard for us. So I don't expect any, anything less. But mm-hmm. honestly, I'm feeling pretty good, and I'm gonna go with a thrashing, a a three nothing. I'll be. Ooh. I was gonna say something more, but I'll say three nothing win. <laughs> I'm feeling generous. I'm feeling. I'm feeling good. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, that's the end of our podcast. Aaron, quick plugs, man. Brian wants to know where can we find you, dude. Everywhere, Brian. Literally everywhere. So, um, so the website is split it into sort of categories. So the website is where we produce written content so that you'll find the interviews that we've done with um, footballers, coaches, um, journalists. There's there's footballer interviews on there. We interviewed Ryan Gold recently for Friends. He plays for Friends. Ricardo Pereira, Ronnie Lopes, Nuno Gomes. There's lots on there. Um, the split it into sections as well. So there's like the Portuguese who play abroad. There's the more domestic issues. Uh, sort of like long pieces that's prosima-jornada.com the twitter is prosima-jornada1 at prosima-jornada1 the podcast literally just type in prosima-jornada into spotify apple music uh, sorry apple podcasts um i think it's on everything the, the, the podcast host sort of uploads it manually and then we're on youtube as well now as well we've only got one video it's the ryan gold interview that's just Prosimajona. They're on YouTube. So, yeah, everywhere. Hopefully, just trying to make more and more content and get as many places as possible. There's um, some plans to get on more streaming services and stuff. Going to be moving to Acast, I think, soon. So, yeah, get get at me. Follow me. Just, yeah, let me know. Say that it's from this podcast or whatever. I'll always follow back. I'm not one of those who's precious about following and stuff. I just love the community, to be honest. That's my book. Aaron, bro, thanks for joining us. It's been fucking, it's been a great conversation. I'm looking up now. It's almost two hours. It didn't feel like two hours at all to me. Wow. Uh, It's been fucking lovely, dude. Appreciate (laughs) it. And we need to have you back on. I'm putting you on the spot, bro. Sorry. We need to have you back on. Whenever. Great, man. Let me know whenever. Whenever. Always for sure. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Aaron will be back. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Uh, Marco, uh, Marco Leon, Brian Rego, Richard Neves, uh, Bruno Rodrigues, Lauren, who just joined us, uh, Garrick Phillip, Pietri, who was on earlier, of course. Uh, I, I think he's now attending to his, his wife, uh, as he's not as active wow. in the chat as he should Congrats. be. As yeah. he should be. <laughs> <laughs> Giuseppe Pimenta, shout out to you, bro. G- uh, Juicebox Leal. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing bare people. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Aguiar, um, Andre Marx, Abdallah, of course, all the way from Jordan. Shout out to everybody that was in the chat and listening. We do appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at Sporting160 underscore EN. Right after you follow Proxima Jornada 1 on Twitter, of course. <laughs> uh, follow us on Facebook, Sporting160N, on YouTube, Sporting160N, on Instagram, Sporting160N. Um, and of course, we're going to end it off with the same video I, we started it off by because stupid me with my stupid memory doesn't bring things up. Um, but of course, we lost a, a club legend this week, uh, Maria Jose Valero. Um, 
you did, of course, the the, this, the famous uh, Fado singer of the Marcel Sporting, uh, as well as other things. Um, so, you know, my condolences to her family, uh, to her fans, to her loved ones, to all of us Sportingistas who are, are definitely going to miss her and uh, who, who use Marcel Sporting as, a, as an anthem, really. Um, so, yeah, it was a huge loss to the Sporting community. I always say Paulinho is king. But to me, Maria, uh, Maria Jose Valero is queen of Sporting, you know? So, you know, rest in paradise. Rest in uh, peace. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, boys, it's been another, it's been a great one, guys. Uh, yeah. And let me throw that out. <laughs>